Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. We are doing this a little different than we normally do because we are doing the movie Us by Jordan Peele. It just came out the weekend before this. We typically give you guys a week to watch things to, you know, alleviate the idea of spoilers with it. But just listen to this after you watch the movie then, if you're worried about spoilers, because this will have spoilers so we are going to do this like we always do we're going to talk about what we liked didn't like and everything in between so we are going to start it off with the guy that for all intents and purposes has been the most excited about this of anybody i know Devin. what did you like about the movie us oh yes um what did i like about the movie us well i mean this may take a while but I'm going to try to keep it short because I really don't want to take anybody else's points. But I'm going to take the first and the obvious, the low-hanging fruit, and that is Lupita Nyong'o's performance in Us, or her dual performance. Uh, it is yeah. absolutely fantastic. Um, Lupita Nyong'o um, is is possibly one of the most talented actresses right now, and I don't think she gets enough credit. Um, you know, maybe it's because she isn't, you know, the first thing that comes to her mind. Maybe it's because she isn't what people think of as a leading actress. And maybe it's because she's African. Who knows? You know, controversial statement starting off. But um, I think that this role in particular is going to blow people away. I, I absolutely love the subtlety. Um, once we start talking about the plot and the spoilers and the and the. um a little bait and switch that happens and things like that. Her acting is so great because she reveals so much about who she truly is in the way that she acts and the way that she approaches certain situations. The more that you find out about her character, the more you become suspicious of her actions. Uh, so once the reveal comes, it's not done to shock you. It's more done, in my opinion, to say, did you get that? Were you paying attention? Because if you were paying attention, you knew this was coming. And I think that's possibly why the plot twist in this film, I'm okay with it, even though it is one of my most hated plot twists and plot devices ever when somebody's trying to, you know, pull the wool from out underneath your feet. However, the way it is done, the way it is acted is absolutely superb. Um, one other thing that I really loved about this film is the, the shots of this film. Uh, just the cin cinematography. This film would have been completely fine if it didn't have some ace um, cinematography. Um, but the visual storytelling in this film is uh, absolutely fantastic. I mean, there's just some amazing shots right even at the very beginning uh, when you're learning about Adelaide's uh, story. When she goes right before she goes into the fun house, she drops a candied apple into the sand like right next to her feet. And then, you know, in the background, you can see all of the lights of the uh, the fun house, but you can't really make anything out. And as she walks closer towards it, it becomes to get clear. It begins to get clearer and clearer and clearer until she eventually ventures inside. And it's just some amazing visual storytelling in this film. And the shots are just absolutely beautiful. You, you could really tell that um, Jordan Peele was really showing off his visual chops in this movie. Uh, I, I really did. I really think that he really showed out. The principal photography is really good. Um, and I really did enjoy that. And 
I really did love all the focus on the family in this one. This movie really did let you understand what kind of family that they were and how close they were and, you know, where issues were in the family and the kids' personalities and, you know, their dreams and desires. And you just got to know these characters so well in the film uh, that anything that happened to them it's not even that you were as much sympathetic, but you felt almost tethered to them yourself. You felt like you were almost the same situations. At some point in time, you know, I would be watching the film and be like, damn, I can't believe this is happening. And then one of them would be like, damn, I cannot believe this is happening. And so it's, you know, Jordan Peele knew exactly in these moments, exactly how the audience was going to respond to these events that transpire in this movie. And I thought that was absolutely masterful. So, yep, that's a few things that I liked. Oh, also, I liked that I was right. Booyah, bitch. <laughs> right about what? Well, well, go ahead and elaborate what you were right on, because not everybody might have listened to the Trailer Slayers episode. Okay, so. okay, sorry about that. So, I said that this movie would be about cloning, and I was right. And then I also, a few episodes ago or whatever, we talked about it, and I, I don't know if I said it on the call, but I said, I think that um, red might be the true Adelaide and Adelaide may be the true red. And that's exactly what it was. All right. Heather, what did you like about that? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I totally agree with um, everything that Devin was saying, honestly. I mean, Lupita is phenomenal and she's beautiful and she's just the perfect choice for this role and she's just so convincing as both both parts that she played she's just so convincing it and just the dual like if she she's so talented that if you didn't know it was her just one person like you really would just think that she is acting opposite somebody else in either scenario like it just it feels like it is two completely different people having a dynamic, having a conversation in every scene that they do. And it's, I mean, and that goes for all of the, you know, the dynamics between the the doppelgangers and everything, but most specifically hers, because she does a lot of the dialogue and she's a lot of the explaining of the, you know, what's going on in the situation. So it's just, it's very, very well done. And I do want to mention um, Winston Duke, who plays the dad. I loved him in this movie. He was so hilarious. Like it just, there's something very, there was something very endearing about him, even though he makes a lot of really not good decisions, in my opinion, in this movie. Like he, at times I was just like, what are you doing? What is happening? Why are you doing that? But at the same time, there's just something about him that you're just like, he's just so likable in the role. And he did such a good job being that funny guy, the telling the dad jokes, being such dad, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was really, really funny. And he did a great job with that. Um, and I do, I mean, and I'll get a little bit into the dislikes of um, part of these characters and everything. But um, overall, I just, I loved how they did that. And also the kids, um, I think it's Shahadi, right? Joseph is the girl. Yeah, that's Shahadi. And then Evan, right. Yeah. Evan, Alex, they're fantastic talent. I had never seen them in anything else before, but I loved, um, I loved their performances as well. Like talk about super creepy when they do their doppelgangers, um, <laughs> but just completely normal, relatable children when they're their normal selves. Um, I loved the little boy, Jason. I actually think he was a very smart character 
in this film. Um, you know, and I just think aside from Lupita's character, he's kind of the one that you sort of, um, you get more attached to and connected to than some of the others, just because you kind of feel for him and you sort of feel like he's a little bit of, um, Adelaide when she was younger, you know, you kind of feel like he's a little bit like her. And I think, you know, other ideas and things aside from the movie, you just feel like she's so protective of him because she feels like she is him in a sense. So I liked that dynamic that they had of the, the mother and the son. Um, yeah, and that was good. So I, I loved all that again with the visuals. I feel like at this point in like, you know, second movie in for Jordan, Jordan Peele, but he has like a style. And when you see it, you know, it's his style. And that's only two movies in, which is really impressive. Because a lot of the shots that you see and how he visually does things and the type of music and the way that he inserts his music into the scenes, it's so Jordan Peele. Like, <laughs> even at this point, I feel like you could say that. And it just, because a lot of, there's a lot of similarities in the style of music in Get Out and in Us and just the way that they shoot the scenes of it. It's just very his style. And I like it. I think it's beautiful. And I think he really is only getting better. Because like Devin said, he kind of shows off a lot of his visual, <laughs> visual shot talent in this film. It's just very, there's not a scene that you're not like, wow, this is really well done. So um, I do. Yeah, I, I really think that that's, um, that's going to be something that it's going to be kind of like a trademark of his, the more movies that he does. And I liked the um, just the, I guess I liked the, I, I guess that there's the underlying meaning of all of it, which I know we'll get into a little bit later. Um, also, I'll go into, you know, later on the, the things I didn't necessarily like about that. Um, but I do think that I, I think he's so creative in how he tells a story and how he always has something else lying underneath it that you see in the film and the symbols and the you know, everything that just kind of, it's, it's just a huge metaphor, his movies, and this was no different. So I think he does that really well. I think he's a master at doing that. He's very unique in how he does um, those types of things in his movies. And I think that how he did it for the most part was also really, really well done. So. Justin, what'd you like? So just uh, to piggyback off of some of the things that everyone else has already said, um, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't say a little bit about Lupita's performance as well. And really, what, everything that everyone has said thus far is the truth. She is excellent, excellent, excellent in this movie. And it's just amazing her ability to not only be an endearing character as a mother with a troubled past, and she's also a wife, and you see how well she interacts with the children and her husband and things like that. And there's just such an endearing quality about her. And then when you see her in scenes as the opposite personality as red, though the looks that she could give and how incredibly creepy she could be with her mannerisms and her eyes and the way that she just would shift and move her shoulders and mm -hmm. different things like that. It really is just amazing stuff. How one minute you can be looking at this person and you're just seeing this appealing character and you're 
and Jordan Peele is just great with the storytelling. And you're like, man, I want to know more about this. Like what happened in her past? What was going on there? And then when they flip the script on you and it's red, you're just totally creeped out by this person. And the way that she would alter her voice is red. And just all of that was just so enjoyable. And and like, and kind of like what Heather was saying, it's almost hard to imagine that this was the same person. Like it's just night and day, the performances. And I can only imagine how difficult that must be for her as an actress getting into those two completely different modes for the same movie. So definitely hats off to her. I wouldn't be surprised if later on in the year, this is one of the endearing performances that people are still talking about come award time. I know it might be a little early, but man, does her performance not carry this film? I mean, I don't know if this film really is what it is without it. So I definitely Mm -hmm. expect her to be in those later conversations for later on in the year. And then just Jordan Peele and the pacing of this film, I really loved. Uh, and, And some of you guys alluded to it, but I mean, Jordan Peele just, he takes his time establishing this family and establishing everything that we need to establish. We get to see a lot of interactions with the family. I also mirror what Heather said about Winston Duke in this movie as Gabe. He was a funny dad and it was just great how he would try to make jokes or he would try to do uh, hip things and his kids are just shooting him down. But yes, there was definitely an endearing quality and an endearing charisma about him. And that's something that I felt ever since his role as Umbaku in Black Panther. It was kind of the same (laughs) way. Like, even in that movie, he just had some scenes where you just couldn't help but laugh. And he's just got a likable quality about him. So it definitely shines through as well in this movie. Um, and, and like I, and going back to the pacing, I mean, it's just great because Jordan Peele takes his time with that. You get to learn who Adelaide is and her kids, Zora and Jason and Gabe. You really get to feel for them. And then once the movie introduces the doppelgangers, Red, Abraham, Umbre, and Pluto into the narrative, the movie just pretty much doesn't let up from there. And it constantly keeps the tension. And there's kind of this chase dynamic of them trying to get away, but at the same time, putting the pieces together, trying to figure this out. And pretty much the movie, it keeps you there for a long time, even as you're putting these pieces together. So I, for one, really appreciated the pacing of this. It developed what it needed to develop. And then once it got to business, it was pretty much business just straight on through. But we have the occasional beats of laughs and different jokes and things like that. And I laughed at most of them. Not all of them landed with me, but enough of them landed to where I appreciated the kind of co- the comedic style that Jordan Peele brought with the script of the film. Um, the other supporting characters were also did well for what they were. And I just really love how Jordan Peele just put so many Easter eggs There are so many little different clues to different things and little foreshadowing pieces that you almost just don't appreciate it unless you see the film twice. Like sometimes it's fun to go back and watch a film like this and just look for things 
that you might have missed. And he's just so great about foreshadowing different things. And there's so many things to look at. And even the shirts that people are wearing, like one time, uh, the Zora character, she was wearing a shirt that had a bunny on it. And then there was another time when somebody was wearing, um, and then the Thriller shirt, which that Michael Jackson, uh, thriller song that has a significance as well that kind of comes to light as you get the story like there are just so many little fun tidbits like that in the in the background in the foreground that that jordan peele likes to play with and this really is kind of like that thinking person's film and more probably i would say more psychological thriller than it was horrific i wasn't so much scared more than i was intrigued and I don't know if uh, everybody else mirrors those sentiments, but that's sort of how I felt with the film. But again, yes, I love just all of those little elements that Jordan Peele threw in there. And um, those are definitely some things that I thoroughly enjoyed about this movie. Real quick, just because it reminded me of something else that I wanted to just bring a light to when you were talking about the supporting characters. Um, although many of them weren't really in there for that long, like the Tyler family with Elizabeth Moss and the husband, yeah. they were they were not in it very long. But man, when Elizabeth Moss is in it for like five minutes, she is in it. She is in that movie. Like she's yeah, so definitely. good. And yes. in the scene when you just when it's her doppelganger, you know, taking over and just like going from sad and then she's laughing and not able to scream, but she's trying to scream and like all these like crazy intense things that she does as the um, the tethered person, you know, like it's just so fascinating to watch her do that, you know. So, in the moments that she's in that, she really does kind of like captivate you right away. So, I just, I do say shout out to her for, you know, the very short time she was in it. She was still fantastic, too. So, yeah, she was definitely a standout as far as the supporting characters are concerned. And uh, like you love that scene where she kind of was like the the agony and the crying and then the sudden, then it transitioning almost to like this laugh. And I also love the scene where she was putting on the lipstick, looking in the mirror. It was just mm -hmm. something about that. I really enjoyed that scene and just her facials and everything. The music was perfect for that. And it just was just a very solid scene. And like you said, even though she wasn't in it, but when you think about her minutes in it, they it didn't equate to a long time. But boy, did she take advantage of every minute that she was mm -hmm. on screen. So I definitely concur with you there. Now, I I, I guess it's my turn. Um, <laughs> I guess. I, I want to say that I'm I'm very disappointed in all three of you because nobody has brought up the fact that the entire twist what well, not the the last twist but the the first plot twist of where the uh the tethered people came from is actually spoiled in the first 30 seconds of the movie yeah and right. i'm not i'm well oh, i'm yeah. not talking about the whole tunnels thing i'm not talking about the tunnels thing i'm talking about when they're doing the zoom in on the tv when they're talking about hands across america mm -hmm. just to the left of the tv is the movie chud I, I didn't saw see Chud. I didn't <laughs> see this Chud. I did not see the Chud. I saw it and I laughed. I thought about us. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it had Chud. And for anybody that doesn't know, Chud stands for Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers. And while the tethered people weren't necessarily cannibalistic or humanoid, they were 
for all intents and purposes, human, they were underground dwellers. Mm-hmm. And so when you take when you take the the opening part of, you know, it talking about all the tunnels under the United States and then you have the underground dwellers, it tells you exactly where the fuck these people are coming from and everything about that. So like the whole twist that it's, you know, essentially this underground compound is where all these people are coming from. It's spoiled literally right then. It it tells you uh, exactly where it's it's going with that because you know you you know it's specifically placed because you can't have the movie chud you know <laughs> just there for no reason it's it's a very specifically placed movie um so yes it's so it's that gave given it away, away for you yes okay because it's chud like it's it, they're underground dwellers you know so it's one of those things you can't have this little you know thing at the beginning of the movie talking about all the tunnels underneath the united states and then very distinctly show something that has underground dwellers in it and not give away that these people are from something like under the, you know, tunnels or whatever under, you know, under the surface. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think it's spoiling enough. It's like I was saying, it's are you paying attention? You know, I don't think the intent was to shock you with any of it. It was very much paying homage to so many horror movies it's not even funny i mean it's on lego batman levels when it comes to little references and easter eggs mm-hmm. yeah and Whoa. that was kind of like what i was saying too like he puts those things in there and even if you miss something or you're talking to somebody and somebody goes oh man i didn't catch that one that's like the great thing about this movie is that there are all types of little tidbits in there like that so nice catch on that one starlet for sure well i mean and when when i say spoiler i'm not necessarily saying that it ruins or anything like that i'm just saying it tells you at at the get-go what this shit is um but other than that i mean uh, i don't want to necessarily rehash a lot of what you guys have already said um except i want to expand upon uh something you guys have said when it comes to supporting cast and then uh lupita's uh, performance as her, you know, tethered self. Also, I want to give credit to everybody when it comes to them playing their tethered selves, because yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part, like everybody was great. Like you did have those ancillary characters in the background, but for the most part, the main regular people in the movie all had uh, a tethered version show up in this movie and they were all great. Like, you know, like Elizabeth yeah. B- Moss doing both versions of that character and her husband, like the way he <laughs> was moving when he's chasing down Winston yes. Duke's character is, yeah. you know, the noises he was making was really good. You know, you had the twins and they're just creepy because they're twins. You didn't even have to have them become, you know, tethered <laughs> people. They're just twins. So that's inherently creepy. Um, but even the, the two kids, you know, like Winston Duke, uh, his version of his other, and then like the kids, I I loved both of their versions yes. of the, their tethered selves. I I thought especially for them being kids, so they did good. a very good job of distinguishing themselves with just their movements between which character was which. You know, well, no, go ahead, Devin. I just wanted to say when it comes to um, I can't remember the other the other Fab's name, but Tim Heidecker's character. You were talking about him. Um, I'm going to say that. That credit isn't necessarily due because if you've ever seen Tim and Eric Night Awesome Saw jo- Awesome Job Nice Show before, uh, that's probably just what he does. 
randomly throughout conversations. So that was just him. They probably he probably actually had a speaking part and just refused to do it and just continued to do it like that. To be honest with you, and well, Jordan Pierre just said, "You know what? Fuck it. Just I guess I want to make all the tether not be able to speak because you just won't say anything." I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it happened. <laughs> So really, I mean, he's the hero of this movie. <laughs> yeah, he. it was the whole tether thing. He was just like, well, he was just, I could just see Jordan Peele like, now the tethered can't speak. And he was like, okay, I understand. He's like, so when I roll the camera and I say action, you're going to say your line when she opens the door. I am totally going to say it. All right. You understand what that is. All right. Oh! <laughs> then that's it. <laughs> that's all he would get. He was like, fuck it. Now I have to go. No tether has any lines except for red. Okay. Well, we're going to work with it. I'll work the script. We're good to go. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, they uh, they all did just a great job, especially the the kids. I thought the kids did uh, uh, fantastic jobs with how they did everything. Yeah, um, especially the little boy oh, because he was yeah, amazing. He, yeah, he 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 was great. Yeah, I he, loved it. He essentially played like the whiny little bitch kid as his regular self, and then he played that fucked up sadistic pyromaniac as the other one yeah and that like they were that they were kind of scared of because he had a temper problem you know type of shit and you're you know yeah and so believable as both yeah yeah he did he did a fantastic job i mean you would really have no way of knowing i mean granted the way they had the mask on him it could have been two different people who really knows but I mean, it, it really did, If it, especially if it was just that kid the whole time. I mean, I, I doubt they had the kid back himself up into to some flames, you know, <laughs> because, uh, you know, safety reasons. I'm pretty sure they had a stunt double for that scene. Right. But any other time, like if that really was that kid the whole time, I mean, he did a fantastic job of playing just two different people. And I mean, that's asking a lot of adults and you have this kid doing it. Um. But I mean, yeah, for the most part, you guys have already kind of nailed it, like with the pacing and just Lupita's acting in general and and, and the the jokes from uh, Winston Duke and just the other in general Easter eggs uh, throughout the movie. I mean, all those do play really well into this. Um, I did have some issues with it, though, and we will go into those. Does anybody have any likes before we do uh, anything else they want to mention that they thought someone else was going to or something that they didn't? So they want to mention it before we do go into dislikes with this. I do. Um, I, it's something I didn't notice until after the fact about just another little Easter egg that he put in about the 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 tunnels and the the girl who the little girl when they're in the car talking about, oh, did you know that? you know, the government put fluoride in the water or whatever it was that she said about that was kind of apparently supposed to be something, you know, alluding to it or kind of put in the back of your mind to remember during this. And I didn't even think about it till afterwards. But um, I just thought that was cool because I was like, oh, yeah, they actually talk about it pretty early on. And you just don't like you don't catch it until after you're like, oh, OK. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. All right. So now on to the dislikes. And as you know, per usual, I like to go first on these because it's it's the most fun segment for me. This is like Sterling's special time. This is where I enter a state of of podcasting nirvana oh boy. with this. And I want to start this off by saying movie critics that go to South by Southwest and they watch these movies need to shut the fuck up because you're fairly fucking stupid. And 
you set the bar way too fucking high for these movies because this movie almost had the same fucking problem hereditary had with being overhyped by fucking critics when it's not necessarily deserving of it and it didn't necessarily need that either you know when you had critics that saw the movie as south by southwest with hereditary and they're saying it's the best horror movie since the exorcist you know it wasn't in any way shape or form it wasn't even the best horror movie of last year and then you have something like this where you have people at the hollywood heroic or it's heroic hollywood one of those fucking two and it's they're saying it's the you know one of the best horror movies of all time it's not it's not a, a, a bad movie in any way shape or form but it's in no way shape or form the best one of the best horror movies of all time i mean you can make a very solid argument that it's not better than get out and people are sitting there and that. saying that yeah i agree with that and yeah you know it's it's why are they doing this like why are they sitting there and being so insanely like outrageous with their claims and setting these bars way too fucking high unjustifiably so you know it's so early in the year we can't even say that this is going to be the best horror movie this year apparently the pet cemetery uh remake that comes out in a couple of weeks is supposedly one of the best stephen king adaptations of all time and that's kind of setting the bar a little high for it within itself because there have been a few good ones of those but it has a chance of being one of the best horror movies this year and you're saying this one's one of the best of all time pet cemetery might already be better you've got a child's play remake you've got chapter two of it coming out this year when all said and done and the dust clears we might not even be able to say that this is the best horror movie this year and you're trying to sit there and tell people before it comes out that it's one of the best horror movies of all time I mean, it's it's outrageous with the way they fucking handle these things, because I don't think this is better than Get Out. And I and I, I do make that comparison with a little bit of like a, a grain of salt or two, just because I think that these movies are two different types of movies to even make that claim very difficult. Um, where Justin said that this one tends to be more of a psychological thriller than a horror, I would tend to agree with him on that. This movie kind of only dips its toe into the horror format when it comes to some of the violence and some of the 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 hack mm -hmm. and slash that's in it mm -hmm. and that's it other than that it's not really a horror movie as much as it is a psychological thriller and i know sometimes especially with those two genres they can blur the lines they can be both because i think get out is both um i do think get out is actually more of a horror movie than this movie um just because in a way it kind of tackles body horror just in a different way it kind of redefines what a body horror movie can be where this movie doesn't necessarily redefine any of that stuff and like i said 90 to me 99 percent of the time it was psychological thriller with horror elements tossed into it um and while you know the tension was good and things like that i don't always feel like the the, the payoffs from that tension mattered as much um you know it just in some ways felt that the, the the tension was built up for a particular moment and then that moment never happened and then later you know you would maybe get a little bit pay of a payoff from it but it kind of artificially like it made some of that tension feel artificial um you know and a lot of it had to do with with uh lupita's character both of her characters i felt like certain aspects of that was i guess intentional misdirection in some ways um because of the way those both those characters interacted and talked especially red uh the way that character talked and described things and things like that was kind of a false accounting of what happened because that character would have had memories from before they switched places 
And by not acknowledging that and never acknowledging that, you know, like the whole, like you stole my place type of thing, uh, kind of made it, um, uh, disingenuous with that twist at the end that, you know, that the real, uh, person was in the, uh, underground and redhead technically took, t- uh, taken the place earlier in the movie. Um, it's just, it felt disingenuous. It's, it's like those movies where a character is actually, you know, like two characters have a, a secret plot happening behind the scenes and they have scenes together and where they act like they're still doing the fake stuff when they're just talking to themselves, that's, that's disingenuous because if two people have a secret or a a secret plan that they're doing, they, they wouldn't discuss the fake plan and the actual intricacies of the fake plan when they're just by themselves, that would make no sense. It's, it's just done solely for audience misdirection. And I kind of feel like that character's not even acknowledging that aspect of it was disingenuous and just a, a fake misdirection for the audience. Now it, it is fairly obvious that that's what happened due to the whole fact of, you know, you do kind of realize very early on, she's the only one that can speak and the rest of them can't. And then you remember that her as a child couldn't speak, you know, it's the whole thing of she was essentially sitting there and learning how to talk mm-hmm. uh, type of situation. And, you know, I understand those scenes being in it because you know, that's not disingenuous. That's telling you what's happening, but there, the, the interactions between the two is. And also one thing that makes no sense to me is that, yes, these are all clones and all this other stuff, but they talked about how they gave up on that project a long time ago, but they're kind of ambiguous as far as the timeline goes, because how did they have kids that were necessarily exact copies of the other kids. That's not necessarily how genetics works in a lot of ways. And without that forced genetic tweaking, that doesn't actually make any sense unless they're, that was truly meant to be more into the supernatural realm of things, but it didn't necessarily feel like that's where this movie wanted things to go. It wasn't necessarily meant to be a supernaturally uh, occurring movie in any way, shape, or form is more meant to kind of hinge on some of the science fiction elements of it. And that's kind of weird that they had that, that these people were having kids that were exact copies after the project was given up. Because if I'm remembering correctly, Lupita was even talking about how uh, the the project was abandoned when she was a kid. So some of the other aspects of it, like I understand there was supposed to be that link and that connection. And that's why, you know, she married uh winston's or quote-unquote married winston's uh tethered person but them having kids wouldn't necessarily duplicate the same kids as the other the other uh side of everything because as genetics work that's why every time a couple has kids they're not copies of each other you know genetics are random uh to that regard with how you know cells combine and split and everything like that so it it just felt very weird to me that that was the official explanation of it all in the end that they were still saying that it was this but they were still copies you know that that felt weird and i don't want to necessarily say it was wrong but it just there should have been something to explain playing that part yeah it definitely lacked explanation it, it lacked a lot of explanation um yeah. in the film and i i totally agree with you on that but one thing i do have to say is as far as her having memories before that i don't necessarily think that's there's a lot of things that you can take and just one that girl was maybe six or seven years old 
So she's not going to have a ton of memories or anything at all. To, you know, at six or seven, it's just not very vivid in your head. So I think and then going through such trauma and then being around all those tethered people and not really having a reason to recall and going through all that pain and torment uh, can make you repress memories. And she truly believed she was a tethered after being down there for decades. She truly believed that. So, you know, that that psychologically speaking, you can believe something so much that anything that that doesn't support that you can just straight up forget about it so i can i can forgive that because of her age and because of the trauma she went through and the isolation that she was in and everything like that so i can forgive that well yes and no though because she does reference it slightly she references it as a comparative point when she's listing all the things that one side got and what the flip side got so obviously she knew enough about the other other side still that she knew what was wrong with that side because if that's just what she grew up in and that's all she remembered and that's what she essentially like reprogrammed her brain to remember she wouldn't necessarily know that you know eating a rabbit was wrong versus the the warm meals that she wasn't getting or the you know the soft fluffy toys versus the sharp you know cutting toys she was getting she remembered enough to know comparatively what she was experiencing was wrong. But but having a feeling and then compar- comparatively remembering from a... Oh, but she wasn't having a feeling, though. She was specifically well, stating differences. Well, well, what I'm saying here, what I'm saying here is that... What I'm saying here is just that I said, your belief pushes anything else to the very back. That's what I'm saying. She believed she wasn't tethered. And so she also said she was watching her and... The the thing about it is, if what gets me is if she is the original Adelaide, how did she become tethered and begin to do the same things and copy Red her whole life? How did that happen? How did she do what the tethered would do? How was she seeing and being forced to copy things? Because I understand that the tethered have this, you know, ethereal connection with people. But a human being doesn't have a connection with their tethered, you know what I'm saying, with their clone. So I don't understand how she became a tethered down there. You know, I, th- that's one thing that got on my nerves. It wasn't because, I mean, from her explanation, she was a tethered. She was different. Um, so she, for some one reason, though, she was different. She watched Adelaide saw that her life wasn't cutting, bleeding and hurting and blah, 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 blah. It was like, that sucks. Why do I have to be like that? And she began to be jealous and then eventually hate her. That was pretty much her whole spiel at the beginning. But I was like, but wait, you're not a tethered. So how were you doing ballet and shit? Like, but you weren't. Well, you were, you're not a tethered. I mean, that's that kind of that kind of jumps into my next point, though, is that when it did the tethered stop being necessarily tethered? Because ultimately they all started doing their own thing. You know, once they were all like planning to leave the the little underground mini mall room place they were in, somehow they decided to stop being tethered and doing those things and started doing, you know, just doing the things that they wanted to do. And so ultimately, they all had the ability to stop. But it's very ambiguous about all that. You know, I would have liked to have seen a scene or two maybe where that bond was still kind of there when they were on the all on the regular side. You know, like one of the characters does a move or something and the the tethered automatically does the same thing. 
like subconsciously just does the mimic. Well, they, of did, it. they did a little bit of that. They they did a little bit of that. There was with the main characters, not with the the other tear that we saw frolicking around, but they did do a lot of that mimicry. They did do a lot of those stuff. Some some tether would really I mean that's how they beat um Pluto is he was like so yeah, he was just so locked into it. So they did some of that. Well no no I'm not saying that. But he was doing it based on visuals. You know what I mean? Is very distinctly what they were showing with that. They were doing a lot of that on visuals. And I'm just talking about like, you know, like say uh whatever uh, Winston Duke's other character was the big bearded Abraham. version of him. Like, yeah, like him, like try to swing the bat and like say Gabe like throws his arm up to like defend it and like that throw his arm up too. Mm-hmm. That type of situation, like those, like almost unintentional because all the mimics we did see felt intentional. Like Pluto mimicking the boy felt like Pluto was choosing to mimic the boy in a way. Yeah. Because I said there was that very like eyesight oriented thing because you could you, you saw aspects of it because at one point Gabe pushed up his glasses mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the other one did the same thing, you know, or it looked like he had been doing that his whole life and finally like saw why type of situation. I didn't necessarily get the impression that he was doing it because that was he was mimicking. It was to me, he was like learning why he made that motion for most of his life. It was just one of those things that they were kind of ambiguous about when the tethering stopped type of situation. And yeah, and I definitely see kind of what you mean by that. And I do agree that we needed some sort of scene, but I don't know, maybe uh, perhaps what we needed just to kind of throw a scene in there that might've helped because obviously she was, um, red was the leader and was kind of influencing them and things like that. And it was almost like she, had this obsession with wanting to live up above, right? Like, obviously, she was, she didn't want to be an underground dweller, so to speak. And they, and they all kind of had this, it was, this was kind of like a liberation story or a revolt story or something like that. So maybe what we needed was scenes of her maybe talking to them, convincing them. Or showing them, look, look at your tethered, your other tethered half. Look how much better his life is than yours. Look at how much, I don't know, maybe a lot. I feel like a lot of that was her influence because she could speak and she kind of had that experience on Earth. But yeah, I do agree with you. It's so ambiguous. You're just kind of guessing as to how. But I'm pretty sure she had something to do with influencing all of them. But like you, but either way, like you said, it would have been nice to have seen some of that to see how she went about convincing everybody and getting everybody uniform to do this. I do agree with that. Well, yeah, and then to tie that back to what I was saying earlier with the whole other thing too, that like they were talking about how the dance scene is how they realized that she was different than everyone else. That the tethered realized she was special because of the dance sequence and all that other stuff. Wouldn't they have thought she was special because she would have been able to fucking talk from the beginning? She wouldn't have just yeah. lost her ability to talk. The second she would have been down there, she would have been like, why the fuck am I here? What's going on? And like crying and doing all these things. Yeah. There would have been other things to like show yeah. that she was different right away. Yeah. That they would have been able to say like, oh, that's different. Why is she talking? 
you know, type of situation. Like, why was the dance sequence what was important? Because, you know, she would have had the ability to talk from the second she woke up down there. That wouldn't have changed. The other one would not have had the ability to talk. And it's not necessarily ability. Wouldn't have had the uh, uh, knowledge of how to talk. They wouldn't have had the formed language. But she would have. Down there, she would have. And that would that should have drawn attention to itself. That she was special because she would have been asking questions and doing words and saying things. That everybody else would have been like, wait, what? You know, and I understand the situation was bad and all this other stuff and, you know, a very tortuous situation. And that's why, like, her voice became more gruff and all this other stuff because she went through all this you know these experiences. Oh, and I thought her like voice that. was like that because she got the shit choked out of her. That's what I thought that was. Yeah. <laughs> How much damage can a little girl yeah. do? And also, well, little kids well, are but, actually very resilient, the, and she would have actually healed from that. She wouldn't have been well, getting her esophagus crushed that fucking much from another kid. Well, well I don't with bare because hands. the tether seemed tether seemed pretty goddamn strong. I mean, there are some. I think there's some supernatural stuff to that. And I, Tether seemed pretty goddamn strong to me. And then, uh, and one other thing, I'll write that off of that they didn't really notice too much uh, because the Tethered are pretty fucking stupid. I mean, like, no. they're stupid. No, I mean, they, they're they stupid are, but what, but, uh, but I'm saying is, like, what's the difference between talking, talking and dancing at that point to show speciality down there? All well, of them could have not. danced because the other ones would have seen people dancing because it wasn't like she was the first little girl down there to ever dance. Other people would have seen well, dancing. Well, I'm talking about, and that's what I'm saying. I know that's what is being a, 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 a ambiguous, but it's just an accumulation of things. Like, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, Justin, you're a special guy. I'm pretty sure there's somebody who thought you were special from the time you came out of the womb, like your mom or your parents and stuff like that. And then there's other people who's like, man, Justin ain't shit and just ignored you. And then, you know, they see you on your street, you know, in your 30s and they're just like, whoa, Justin, I never expected this from you. Like, well, I've been doing some pretty raw shit my whole life. So where have you been? I'm just saying that. Yeah, but I'm just saying me as a film gore, I don't need. Somebody uh, dancing is wouldn't have been new even in that little collective. Other people would yeah, have but, danced. What was so special? Yeah, but she about was that dancing thing? really good though. Yeah, and she was pretty happy about it. She was the, the other only, ones weren't really happy. Yeah, but but that's what I'm saying is if they see happiness as a difference, why wouldn't they have seen talking as a difference? Well, I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that little point doesn't really bother me i'm not like oh well fuck why didn't they see her as a you know because we don't know it's like you said you don't know when they started to become super untethered or when they started to know her as, as being different because they just said she no, said they saw me as a savior and then it was her as a little girl with her hands around them doing spirit fingers and shit no but they specifically <laughs> said that the moment dancing is when they realized she was special that is specifically i do not said remember that. that i'm gonna have i'm gonna have to i am gonna have to see that again because i did not hear that shit at all i thought that they said did anybody else i thought that they said that the dancing i didn't hear anybody say that shit. i thought they said that it was the dancing that broke the tether yeah i thought it was but, the dancing and that's when they saw her the as special they do say because that that's the when they saw her maybe she was, was different after that point is that what you mean and that's what i'm saying yeah, maybe she maybe she immediately started to be tethered once she got there. Vision, I don't know. That's the whole thing. But it's see, just so ambiguous. Well, You're just like, when, when did she become tethered? And you know, when did she start replicating the tethered girls' movements? And I, I don't fucking well, know. No, I know, I know. But this also goes into what I was saying earlier: is that if she was able to do things like that. And then she had those things of like, oh, when you got hot meals, I got rabbits. And when you got this, I got like sharp toys. And so when I played with them, I got cut. She would have untethered within like a year, maybe two. 
if the, if the dancing is what untethered her or was like the beginning of that and all this other stuff, then she wouldn't have had to play with sharp toys. That just means but she was she a was, stupid little. But if you say, kid. but if you're saying a year or two when she did the dance, she was a little kid. With that yeah. whole dance sequence, and, was, and then she was immediately in dancing because they were like, "Hey, you need to, you know, get her and dance or whatever." So that yeah. could have been just a two year period. And then she did say it took years and years and years and years of planning too. So I'm just saying, yes. I just but that that's implying everybody else. But I'm just saying if they're like that's what I'm saying is they were so ambiguous with too yeah. much oh, yeah. in this movie and like and and that and that that that's all that points to is that they were just so ambiguous with everything that ultimately all the explanations you do get don't account for enough of what was going on. I'm not saying that they need to sit there and break down the rules for everything. Like they need to have a chalkboard scene of explaining this is what the tethers were and this is what the tethers weren't or anything like that. But one of my biggest problems with movies is when they establish rules and then within the same movie, they break them without it being completely about the breaking of the rules. They establish rules in these universe in this universe and then instantly break these rules without any explanation behind 99.9% of it. And that's a, that kind of is a problem with balance because if the movie, the whole point of the movie is about them breaking the rules, then you need to actually show more of the steps of breaking the rules. You need to explain the rules better. If the whole point of is them breaking out of those bonds, then actually concretely tell me what these bonds were because now the bonds they broke free of are ambiguous and they're the whole story of them up you know, overcoming things like this is slightly diluted by the fact that it's more, you know, confusing than not. Yeah, I agree with that because it isn't, it isn't fully clear. So I, I could see how, because I, I thought of it because even when I saw it, I was like, oh, well, if this, if this dance moment, you know, the dance sequence, the dance moment, if that is the moment when they became untethered, so to speak, what exactly was it in that dance sequence that caused that? Like, it didn't show for me, it didn't feel like it showed the actual moment of like, boom, that's it. That's when it happened. And I feel like that would have helped if they would have done that, made it more very clear. So and, and just one last thing, and then I'll, I'll pass it on to somebody else is where the fuck did they get all those gold scissors down there? <laughs> because I have never seen a pair of scissors like that in my life. And they just had thousands of them down there because everyone had them. Also, oh, with no. the fabric. Millions. Jumpsuit, millions. Well, I'm, I'm just saying with you can infer millions, but I'm just saying, you know, of at least thousands. And where did they get in all the fabric for those red jumpsuits? I didn't see that from the initial get go. When they were showing the scenes down there originally, I didn't see, you know, the the fabric for the red jumpsuits. That was one of those things that they, you know, started doing when they wanted to mimic the hands across America motif, which I did. I did like that little thing. That was kind of funny. But, you know, then all of a sudden they had all this fabric and all this other stuff to make these suits. I'm just like, where the fuck did they get all that? I understand this is insanely nitpicky at this point, but it is something I couldn't help but think once they started showing. Um what was happening and they were talking about how you know they had to untether and all this other stuff and it showed them like gearing up for revolution and i was just thinking where did they get all these jumpsuits and where did they get all these scissors <laughs> yeah and you know it's i i don't feel like you can blame me for getting nitpicky at that point because if the movie doesn't give me a reason to not be nitpicky about that thing i think that is kind of telling about the movie itself uh but let's move on Justin, what did you not like about this movie? Okay. Well, uh, kind of just to um, 
kind of mirror what you were saying, but I'll try to see if I can add something different to that. Because really, uh, much like a movie like Hereditary, much like a movie like Glass, I think that this movie, um, in a lot of ways, does live and die on how much you got or respected or understood or appreciated the, the the twist at the end. You know, it's kind of one of those things where however much you appreciated that and what Jordan and the story that Jordan Peele was trying to tell and how it all came together in the end is going to pretty much determine how much you like this film. And yeah, I am kind of in agreement with a lot of with some of the things that you said as far as I do think that for the most part with me, the ending does land just because of all of the deeper meanings and things about, and of course, the social commentary about, you know, the haves and the have nots and people of privilege versus people who don't have those things and how sometimes that there's a disconnect there. And then the whole, also just the story about your inner self and who's the true self and kind of like, two sides of every person jockeying for position and what part of you wins out in the end sort of thing. So there are some lessons here and things like that, that I definitely appreciate it. But yes, as you start to break down the story structure and the more you think about it and try to put it together, you can find little things that just really don't make any sense, or at least there wasn't enough explanation for those elements to make sense just like you talked about with the scissors and the fabric now she did say red did tell us that it took years to formulate that plan but because we are not allowed to see the 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 formulation of the plan other than them you know putting some stuff up and gearing up and different things like that. It, it's it's true because we don't get some of those visuals. It does leave something to be desired as far as how this plan came to be and how did it go so smoothly and how did it go so perfectly? And like you said, where did they get all those scissors? I mean, did they make them? Did they buy them a certain way and then alter them? I mean, how did they... You know, how could they have possibly done that? And then just some of the story elements. And I, and I, you actually took the words right out of my, out of my mouth with the, uh, with the red, with red and that whole dynamic. And the fact that the, um, that the real Adelaide, yes, did I say that right? Adelaide. I always think I've said Adelaide. it wrong. Adelaide. Adelaide, all right, Adelaide, Adelaide, uh-huh. like Kool Aid, like yeah, like do you want to add a, another flavor to Kool Aid? <laughs> yeah, Adelaide to it, add another layer. All right, yeah. Adelaide, <laughs> all right, got you, Adelaide. All right, so, but yes, Sterling, as Sterling was saying, yes, whenever the twist comes in and you find out that the that really who we were really following was was red and that the real Adelaide was the one who was basically kidnapped and trapped and everything like that. And you start to think about how this fake, this false Adelaide was acting. Yes, there are definitely times where you just would go, well, if she was a fake, she wouldn't have acted like that. Or how, why would she be acting like this? Or why our character, like he said, why didn't the real Adelaide or Red in this case, why didn't she just come out and say right at the beginning 
you know what you did. You know why I'm here. You, you, you know what this is about. Like, uh, you know, you would think that she would be a little more vindictive, a little bit more finger pointing, a little bit more like, you know why I'm here. And then the family looking at um, Adelaide and going, hey, what is she talking about? And maybe there's, you know, because she is fake, she's not so forthcoming about what, I don't know. I feel like maybe the movie needed something like that. Like, maybe it would have been cool if maybe we didn't quite know what was going on with her or that she implies that there's something, but maybe we don't know. And who knows? Maybe Jordan Peele thought if he had those hints in there, that would just be a dead giveaway. So maybe he thought not. But I do agree that, yes, when you really go back and look at those things, some of the interactions that both of those characters had, Red and Adelaide, they don't make a lot of sense given the twist that we were given at the end. So I'm definitely in, um, definitely in agreement with that. So yeah, I think that really those are the things that I had trouble with. Like really when it comes down to it, it's really just about adding everything up once you get to the end. And a lot of, and there are some inconsistencies. That's where you can find the holes. That's where you find the inconsistencies. I think the journey to get there is really quite good. It's just once we arrive there, then it's like, okay, now I'm, now that I know what the truth is, I am seeing some problems in this. And those were definitely some things that I noticed because I actually had the chance to see the film twice. And on that second viewing, you are sitting there going, okay, well, if they know each other, and they have history, you, you just would think some of that would have been implied a little bit more, especially when they, when Red and Abraham and the rest of the uh, doppelganger family raid the house. So I'm in total agreement with that. Those were my problems for sure. Heather, your turn. Yeah, I think ultimately the, the, the downfall really of it or the, the negative of it really is just that it is ambiguous and there were a lot of, I feel like they, they were trying to do a lot in the movie and it just it made it a little bit more fuzzy than it should have been it wasn't as clear of a message as i would have hoped that it would be um just because you know and and this the unfortunate thing is kind of like i think sterling had talked about it in a previous podcast where unfortunately like when you start your directing career doing get out I mean, that's going to be really hard to follow no matter what. But I think, unfortunately, the the natural way of it is you're going to compare everything that Jordan Peele's doing to that now. And it's an unfortunate thing, but it's also a good thing because, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of like he has to outdo himself every time, you know. But But that being said, I will say I do agree. I don't think that this movie is quite as good as Get Out. And I do think that Get Out had a much more clear direct message that it was trying to send. And I think even though it did have obviously the the symbols in it and the symbolism and there was still a lot going on with Get Out, but it was just a much more clear uh, direction and message in the story in that one, in my opinion. But that being said, it does not take away how original and stylistic and entertaining this movie was because it really was very entertaining the whole way through. And to be honest, it's not quite what I expected. I mean, I honestly didn't think it was going to be a movie that took place all in one night. You know, I I thought it was going to be more over the course of time. It was kind of cool 
that it was kind of over the course of just a one a one day kind of thing. And um, they sort of started out the the creep factor pretty much right away, you know? So it was, that was kind of refreshing because you don't have to wait to the, the typical build up to the, okay, here's where all the craziness goes down. It pretty much happened like almost right away within the first, I want to say what half hour of the movie, which is cool, I think. But I do think that um, even with all that being said, I will say that, yeah, I just think that they, they did try to do a lot with it. And it, the, the message of this movie, I don't feel was quite as clear. I do feel also like it would have worked better if it were a supernatural thriller. I think that the supernatural aspect of it, they could have done a lot more with the um, an underlying message, I think, if it were supernatural, just in my opinion, like they could have, it could have been the whole Everybody has the the good and evil side of them, and the it just could have it made a lot more sense as to the the haunting that these people were doing, and just the the reason that they were there is maybe because you're facing your worst self, and that's a terrifying thing. And if that had been the message of the movie of you know which side of you is going to win out in this battle of your soul being good and evil or something like that, I think kind of would have been a really cool thing to put into the movie. And so I just feel like it might work better or it might have worked a little bit better if it was more of a supernatural aspect to it than it was. And Devin said they did have a little bit of that, which they did, but I think it would have benefited from having more of that being the the reason for the the tethered people, you know? So um and also I will say kind of goes along with one of my likes. I as much as I do like the characters individually I think it would have benefited also from um, just maybe a bit more chemistry between the between um, Adelaide and Gabe. <laughs> I mean, I get that Adelaide is you know just all about protecting her children and whatnot, but it's just kind of like all all three all three of them, like the the two kids and the mom, they kind of seem to be more concerned about each other more so than his well being. <laughs> so for me, I guess. Um, that's like, just being example, a father. You know, when- that's just that's a hundred percent accurate <laughs> to family life. That's not that was that's the best part of the film. They're like, what about dad? He's like, well, oh, okay. it'll, it'll you know, it'll figure it out. <laughs> I guess like we gotta protect mom. I'm serious. As if if something goes down right now, I am expected <laughs> to go and get murdered. So then my family can be alive. Like if right now somebody comes in there with a chainsaw, I have to go fight them. Like I have to, like I don't have a choice. And like, if we end up fighting and fall on top of a bus, then my family's get just going to get the fuck out of here and call the police. And then be like, dad, you'll, you know, it'll do it. It'll figure. That's just true life. Man. <laughs> and maybe that's, and maybe that's true. I mean, and that's definitely a very valid perspective because you are a father. So you would know more <laughs> of what that's like. Um, but yeah, I just, I feel like they they just didn't really seem to even really have faith that the dad was going to protect them as much. I mean, because I f- I feel like even with the father, even if you're expecting like okay, if anyone if anyone's gonna get killed, it's gonna be the dad because he's gonna be the one out there protecting us. It didn't even really seem like they really felt like he could be the protector more than the mom. You know, I just I got that vibe, and maybe that was just me, but um, you know, it just like like for example, when they went into the neighbor's house after they found out that they had been killed by their other versions and they see the mom being pulled into the house and then the crazy man comes out and he tries to get Gabe 
And they're just kind of like, peace, dad. And they both go in to help mom, you know? And I was just like, oh, well, he's also in danger and he's a little bit more hurt than your mom. I just thought it was kind of funny that they did that. But um, but yeah, so I, I, I just feel like in their chemistry may be a little bit more... Um, Maybe maybe it's more accurate than I think it is, but I just would have liked to see a little bit more chemistry between Gabe and Adelaide in the film. Um, and maybe that was more of an underlying because it wasn't really Adelaide or so it was it was like a tethered person. Maybe that's maybe more of an underlying reason why, but I don't know. So um, and what else was I going to say about it? Oh, the um, I do think that the at the end there when Adelaide and Red are you know, facing off with each other and she's giving the long monologue explaining everything. I think that that could have been executed better. Um, I think that it was just, it, it didn't really seem to seamlessly go into the story as well as I would have liked. Like maybe not just like a, hey, you're here now. So I'm going to explain everything from beginning to end as to what this is. I feel like maybe a little bit more mystery trying to figure out what the whole thing is would have been better or just, I don't know, I just feel like it kind of slowed down the pace of the film and it just could have been executed just a little bit differently, a little bit more um, in a more intriguing way or a more captivating way, I feel like. But um, I mean, other than that, like you guys said, it's it's really just kind of the the ambiguous factor of it all. And I think that honestly, yeah, the twist, I honestly could have done without the twist. And um, it, it, I just think that it wasn't necessary. I understand what they were doing and it did add a different element, which was kind of cool. But if they had executed it a little bit different, maybe it would have been a better payoff. But, and I know that there are kind of theories out there, which we can get to if you guys want to, but I know that there's theories that uh, people are saying that uh, they might think that the little boy was also switched. And in my opinion, I feel like it maybe ha would have worked better if Adelaide wasn't ever switched. And the twist really was just that the boy was switched. And then at the end of it, it's her realizing that he was switched. I think that would have been a better way to end it. So that's just me. But that's, you know, it's definitely a, a great movie, well done movie and entertaining. But just more specifics and being picky about it. Those are things that I would change. I mean, I I guess I kind of see what you and Devin are saying with the whole supernatural element of it. But, I mean, I would still sit and say that I don't see it. I mean, it's it's kind of implied with the whole aspect of the tethering. But that's really about it. And I think it leans too much uh, into there being more implied supernatural aspects instead of just overtly saying it. At a certain point, you have to say it. You can't get away with just implying it nonstop. At a certain point, you have to just say that's a conceit in the film. And that's what I don't think this film did. And I think that's one of the major problems in it. Um, I mean, it's just I I never got them like saying it uh, to a way that actually is like satisfying. Like I said, you can apply it all day long, but until you say it, does it really matter? Yeah, because that feels like a cop out. When you can back out of it at any moment, you can back out at any moment saying, oh, there was no supernatural elements. And you're like, oh, well, you just implied it so much. And you're like, oh, no, no, no. That's just your inference of it all. But that wasn't what we were doing with it. By not like saying one way or another, you're kind of just giving yourself a cop out later. And I do think that's cheap. I think the closest mm -hmm. we got to her saying anything about it was towards the beginning, towards the end. And it was the beginning of that explanation when she was talking about the bunnies and the copying. And she said, I like to think of it 
as two different bodies, but the same soul. That was pr- that was the only time that was the closest we got to any kind of mention of a supernatural or the souls being connected element of it all. Like she did say when she was talking about the whole concept of the bunny copying and two different copies of each other and stuff. She did say, I like to think of it as two different bodies sharing the same soul. She did say that, but like you, but, but like everybody is saying, that was the only mention I remember. And then just like what Heather was saying, I wanted more of that aspect of it. The, the evil side and the good side and they're jockeying for position and whichever one wins is who you really are because boy is that yeah. relatable like i mean right. that is just that that is a struggle that everybody struggles with you know there's the you that you sometimes the facade you that you got to put on for work or whatever you're doing and then there's like the real you and then there is it does kind of feel like sometimes there is a battle between the two and yes there i feel like there are hints of that here there are elements of that here but i wish he had went all in on that idea yeah i, I, I agree. think i would have preferred that too so yeah but i mean even even with what you're saying though that's not really saying that that's what it is oh that's yeah it's just the yeah, hypothesis of yeah. one of the characters right and in like and which, like I said, still just leaves it ambiguous and you can cop out at any moment. Like, I mm-hmm. kind of feel like you need to give a more definitive answer if you're, you know, especially with how meticulous so much of this is. It feels weird that so much of it is also still ambiguous. There's so much, you know, meticulousness in so much of it, especially from Get Out. It feels like every scene in Get Out was just this like such incredibly like well thought out to, to every minute detail. And this one doesn't have it. It's aspects of it are well thought out and planned. And, you know, visually speaking, I think we get more than we do from the actual narrative itself. We get more visual clues throughout the movie of everything that's going on than we do from the actual narrative. Mm. It's like he was, it's, it's kind of like that weird difference between Jordan Peele as a screenwriter and Jordan Peele as a director. (laughs) And Mm. (laughs) where Jordan Peele, the director was, doing way more work than Jordan Peele, the screenwriter, did. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, that's just how I feel. Yeah. Devin, your turn. Go with that. Well, not with that. Just go with your yeah, your dislike. Yeah, I'm going. I got it. I understand. All right. So, anywho, one, I never said shit about wanting more supernatural elements to this. So, just so everybody. No, I, no, no. You, you were. No, no, no. But you were saying that you, you did say that you felt like there was the more supernatural there element. There was like a little it. bit of it in there, is, I think what you said. Yeah, there, there's a right. little bit of it. And there was hell of supernatural shit in there. The, all the 11 11s, the frisbee thing when it landed perfectly on the circle, right. uh, mm-hmm. the 11 11 guy. So I, I mean, there's, there's a ton of supernatural shit in here. I don't know what everybody's talking about. I, I don't, I don't think that you need to go, there's supernatural elements in this, or this is, I mean, she's sit up there talking about God and seeing God, and then you go oh. through it and you don't see any deities or anything. Hold on. I mean, just give me a second. There, there, there are elements. So I don't, I don't feel the need. And all I'm saying is I don't feel the need. If I'm watching 
a science fiction movie. I don't need anybody to go. It's science fiction. If I'm watching a fucking supernatural horror film, I don't need anything to tell me it's supernatural. A lot can be told in with the story. I personally don't like when things are completely explained to me like I'm a child. I don't need exposition. The exposition in this film is exactly what I hated the most. I couldn't stand it. It got on my nerves. Um, but to me, when you think about Jordan Peele and who he is as an artist, when you think about who he is as a screenwriter, who he is as a director, Jordan Peele is not trying to change genres or or bend things in the in the sense of I am trying to completely rewrite horror. Jordan Peele very much plays pays homage to things, but he's also very critical of America. So when I'm watching this film, I'm not going, is this film explaining the supernatural or scientific elements and the minutiae of everything? Is that the goal of this film? Because that's not the goal of a Jordan Peele film. Uh, the goal is, is to critique this country and to critique the human condition. So when I'm watching us, the thing that disappoints me is there so much he's throwing at you. Is this about how, you know, charity from big organizations ends up being useless? Is this about the battle of good and evil within an individual person? Is this about uh, the connection to our past that's dark that you can't really ever escape no matter what? Is this film about everybody um, being animals deep down inside who just fight for survival? Is this about the monotony of day-to-day -day life and the need to break yourself away from it? There are so many things he's throwing at you, so many themes and messages he's throwing at you. It becomes like a buckshot from a shotgun and you don't know what he's really trying to say to you. With Get Out, you understood what he was trying to say at the end, but in this movie, you don't. And that's what makes it, that's what keeps it from being that top tier movie to me. Not because I don't know how the Tether got all their fucking jumpsuits or how they got their scissors or where they were shitting or where they were pissing or what time they went to the bed or, you know, why Adelaide and Gabe's relationship seem to be a little bit distance or there'd be, be a little bit of difference between them or when exactly the tethered became untethered. Those things wouldn't matter to me if he stuck to a message or two and hammered those points home through the film. And he's also putting in all these references and making things uh, repeat. So you're seeing stuff from the past come to the present and so on and so forth. And he's doing so much in this film. I think that it cracks a bit under its own weight of his ambition. I think that his um, reach extended his grasp on this film. But I think it's a commendable reach all the same. Even though he didn't get to where he was trying to get to the levels he wanted to get to, I still think it was better for him to try to shoot well beyond the clouds, reach for the stars and try to say something. But I just can't I just can't quite hear him. I just wish he would have turned the volume up a little bit. I wish there would have been some subtitles, not on, like I said, the minutiae, because, you know, if we're paying 
tribute to 80s and 90s horror films in here. Explanation as to why everything happened and being tight is not what's going on. And once again, that is a, a trend in film that doesn't need to be done with everything. Everything does not need to be fucking explained. Some things can just be like they look like that because they fucking do. They have those because that's their weapon of choice. It's okay sometimes to have those elements in there. Everything just doesn't need to be broken down and explained all the time. I mean, shit, it was two hours long. Give me a break. But one thing I wanted to say about that scattershot thematic elements that just blows me out of mind. Jeremiah 1111 is all through this movie. And here's what Jeremiah 1111 says. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. And I was like, hmm. uh, what does, how does, so is this the apocalypse then? And was this hell coming to earth? Was it like the dead shall walk again and the blind, deaf and the dumb shall talk again? What what was that? It's just it's just too much. It's just too much. And it's scattershot, man. And, and I just don't know what he was trying to say. And that's what bothers me the most. Thematically, that's what bothers me the most. I, I like what you said there. And I maybe we should discuss that a little bit more. Just what did everybody walk away with? Because, yeah, we have spent time talking about, like, the technical aspects, but now I'm curious as to, I mean, what does your gut tell you? Like, what do you feel? What did your gut say? Like, when the movie ended and the credits rolled, what was the first thing you thought the movie was about? If you had to guess, if the gun to your head and somebody asked you, what would you say it was about? Well, before before we get into that, though, I mean, we... Because that that's a longer topic. And before that, though, I do want to just address some of the specific things that Devin said, though, with it. When it comes to, like, the minutia of the film, unfortunately for something like this, it does matter. Because if ultimately he is trying to get a message across, if the vehicle he is using to get the message across isn't well executed, then the messages themselves won't come across. And I think that's one of the reasons why the aspects that you're talking about that you didn't get that you wanted didn't come across is because ultimately the vehicle in which they were being used to be delivered was inherently flawed. And those things do matter. The The minutia of this does I, matter. I, I, never, because, I never said it didn't matter. Well, but but no, it does more than what you're saying, though, because you were underselling it because you're talking about how, you know, we're needing things spelled out for us, whereas, you know, you're above that. But that's the that's the problem with this is it was ambiguous in that nature with a lot of the minutia and everything. And that that's why it, it spells the undercurrent or it has the undercurrent of it being ambiguous with the message it's delivering. Also, the ambiguity is throughout the film and that's the big problem when you when you can't handle having the minutia of the film down you can't expect them to have the minutia of the message down and what you're talking about these supernatural elements that were throughout the film and all this other stuff they also tied their own hands behind their back as trying to play those off within the movie as being coincidences themselves like i said that's a cop-out that's my problem with these supernatural elements they're introducing in this film is that they're using them also as a comp out to be able to back out of it being any sort of supernatural at any given point, you know, because they even they use words to not have them be uh, 
supernatural 99.9% of the time, other than her talking about, you know, the relevances of, uh, you know, of her seeing God and those things. And then the whole, uh, what they were talking about of them being one soul split between, you know, copies of people that that's, that's a big problem though. When you're still main conceit with it is that you can back out at any time. That means you're not giving into the fact that they are supernatural. You can see those as supernatural elements, but the film itself isn't even seeing them wholly as supernatural elements. So that's, that is a big problem whenever you're kind of leaning one way or another, because you're saying, you know, you don't need a science fiction film to tell you it's a science fiction film. Well, this film kind of doesn't tell you what it is. Yeah. And, and, is and, it and you're delving and you're, into the science fiction element of it, of it, or is it de- delving into supernatural? It's kind of trying to straddle the line for both. Yeah. And, and that's and, something you really can't do. And, and I agree with what you're saying, but what I'm saying is that if he would have picked, if he would have picked a theme, if he would have picked a message, all of that would have been clearer because to, to me, and I, you know, I might be wrong about your writing process, Jordan Peele, because I know that you're probably listening to this podcast several times, but to me, it feels like <laughs> he picks a, 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 a situation or he picks a, a, a problem and then he expands on it based off of what he is. So unlike most things, it's, here is the problem. Here is the thing I want to address. Now I'm going to make a story all around this. But instead of one problem, it feels like it was 10 problems. And so the root from everything came from him wanting to address all these problems and all of these themes in one film. And so that's what I'm saying. And what you're saying is that we can't get the message because it was too ambiguous and it was to the construction, the technical aspects of it, and the the process of the delivery vehicle was was why it's so cloudy. So we're saying the same thing. It's just that we think that the the root cause is different. And so I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I believe you know eighty percent of the problems you have with this film. I'm right along with you. But there is just a few things where I'm like. If those were never explained or if that was never fleshed out, the movie still would have been great. You know, you know, people being mad about the bait and switch in there. I don't think that bait and switch was there to shock you at all. It was just too obvious. Um, and, and I think that it was obvious for a reason. And, and that's what I'm saying. So, you know, don't take it as I'm disagreeing with you or saying that your points are valid. I am just saying that we believe the the weak. The weaknesses of this film have two different origins. That's all. No, no. And I I get that. But I mean, I think that goes back to one of the greater points that I brought up earlier is the fact that the problems in this film allow me to then think of those things. Because one of my greatest examples of a film having a gaping flaw in it, but not noticing at the time when I viewed it, is uh, Dark Knight. It's the scene where uh, Heath Ledger's Joker crashes the party. And, you know, throws Rachel Dawes out the window and then Batman goes down to save her. And then that's where the scene ends and it goes on to the next thing. There's a huge gaping hole in that because that means the Joker is up there with a bunch of people and we don't know what happened. Like it moves on to the next scene and it's just implied that the Joker just went, "Eh, well, my job's done and just walked gingerly out the door (laughs) because (laughs) nothing of consequence (laughs) happened. That is, that's kind of funny. It's like, oh. Well, I'm shaking things up here. Um, <laughs> Peace that was out. That probably awkward. 
But I gotta go. He did a little bow. He did a little bow. Maybe maybe squirted somebody with a water flower and then walked out. I think this is gonna be the auction (laughs) portion of the fundraiser. I think this is gonna be the auction. So you guys should maybe be able to raise some money because this is about crime. And look, there it is. I just gave you some crime. A lot of it. It was pretty scary. I never. For all I know, he like threw one of those smoke. He threw a smoke pellet down and went ninja vanish, and then just they all disappeared. I mean, we don't know what happened, <laughs> and that's a huge flaw because you have a villain of the Joker up there with a bunch of insanely rich people, and you're telling me nothing of consequence happened after he threw Rachel Dawes out the window and Batman followed. Nothing of consequence happened at all. It's a huge gaping flaw, and I don't know a single person that noticed that flaw when they first watched that film. Because so much of that film is so good that those those inconsistencies don't even factor into when you're watching it. I mean, it took me a few viewings before I was like, wait, what the fuck is going on? What did the Joker do at that point? It's it's it just get like then once you notice it, it nags at you. But that's my problem with this film. And that's why I sat there and thought about the scissors and jumpsuits, because the film didn't give me a reason not to. There is so much ambiguity and in, in openness through so much of it that I didn't have a reason to not think about the jumpsuit and scissors. And like I said, it was an insanely nitpicky point of view, insanely nitpicky, but I just had no reason to not think that I'm watching this movie and that crosses my mind. And I don't feel like that's my fault. I feel like it's the movie's fault for giving me time, opportunity and a reason to even think that. And I think that's the difference between this um, film and Dark Knight because Dark Knight doesn't give you that time and that opportunity to even think about something like that. Like, what was the Joker doing after he dropped it out the window? That's not, you don't have time to recollect or think you gotta, you gotta move on and keep up. And, and, and Well, it's not even that. I'm, I'm just talking about from a narrative point of view. That's just a huge huge yeah hole. but you never you haven't you you even said it yourself it took you a few viewings and i've never even thought about that and you know what it doesn't nag at me because i don't give a fuck because dark knight is fucking amazing i don't care i i, I don't i don't care i really don't i'm happy i mean and I'm, all the yeah, time. And I'm not i'm not trying to take you i'm not trying to take away anything from the dark knight it's just it's it's something that the the, the narrative storm story it makes up for like that huge flaw, you know, you don't notice right away. Whereas this, it gave me the movie itself allowed me to think of the flaws while they're happening, yeah. you know, and I'm not even saying from a pacing point of view or anything like that. I'm just talking about from a narrative point of view, I was able to think of the flaws while they were happening. That wasn't something I had to think about, you know, like three hours after the movie, like, wait a second, what about these scissors? It just, whenever it shows that scene and they're all getting together and they're like passing out scissors and they're like montaging them, like suiting up and gearing up. I'm like, where the fuck did these scissors come from? I'm thinking that as the scene's developing and that's just a weird problem to have in a movie like this. But, but yeah, I, I, um, let's let's go back to what Justin was saying. I think that's an incredibly uh, awesome thing. Um, and, and and you were starting it, Devin. So like, Devin, what ultimately did you take away from what this film was like meant when it all came down to it? So for me, you know, when I walked out of that theater, because I was trying to contemplate, you know, what I had just watched and and what he was trying to say. So to me, um, the hands across America. And the the dichotomy between, you know, actual people and the tethered. And I was looking at the differences. So actual people in this film were were rational uh, for the most part. Uh, They were uh, compassionate. They they had things that they cared about, that they were passionate about. Um, And then the the tethered were single minded 
and, and driven the same seemingly to do one thing, uh, which was to, to kill immediately besides um, the uh, tethered version of um, um, of Adelaide's family. The rest of them were killing on sight. Um, and so I was I was wondering, you know, what does that mean about the duality of people and what is the whole point of the unity at the end of this slaughter? And and what I came to was we are in such a tumultuous time where we're so afraid and we're paranoid. We're not just paranoid of foreign invaders. Uh, we're not just paranoid of our neighbors, but we're paranoid of ourselves, you know, and our fear may drive us to destroy ourselves. So the thing that will erase us and replace us will be our own fear, hatred, insecurity, and all the worst emotions of humanity. And that's what tether actually, the tethered actually um, represented to me, your absolute worst, most animalistic self. So once we, once the bad parts of us is taken over and rendered us pretty much dead, even if we're still here, once we've eradicated each other, we'll finally be unified in destruction. And so that's what the movie was about to me was, uh, was the decades of, and the, the centuries of racism and violence and war and pain and pollution and pestilence and disease and famine and corruption finally catching up with us to where all those violent ends I mean, those violent means finally met a violent end and we finally did it. We finally were unified, but only in the destruction of all of us. That That's what it meant to me. Heather, what did the movie Us mean to you? I mean, I guess I would say for me, it was kind of about, you know, our our perception of who is more deserving of privilege is skewed and maybe we shouldn't trust those that we think we should, you know, whether it comes to our country or our families or even our own memories, you know, what's real, what defines us, other people's perspective of us or what we make of ourselves. Um, that seems to be what I took away from it. Um, because even thinking back on the the ending and the flashback we get of what actually happens to Adelaide, she seems shocked when she's driving away to remember that. It, it really felt like the way that it was the way that it was shot made it seem like she didn't remember that until that moment. And um, so so maybe she made herself believe for long enough that this is actually who she was because this is who she wanted to be. She didn't want to be a tethered. She wanted to be this. So, you know, is she going to go on to live a life as Adelaide with her happy family? You know, will she be a tethered again now that more of them have come to the surface? So I guess ultimately it's just a matter of, you know, are we our own mortality and are, what are we going to make of ourselves? And I guess kind of our, what's our true form going to be in the end of all things. So I guess for me, that's what I took away from it. Justin, what did this movie mean to you? Cool, cool. So I'm really liking what uh, everybody is saying and. Uh, Devin pointed to something when he was talking about his dislikes that I definitely think is something to always consider um, from now on when you watch a movie that Jordan Peele makes. And that is definitely true. He does like the to make um, his opinions known 
about America or he likes social commentary on America and our situation. And he kind of sees he clearly sees America a certain way. And a lot of times that's what uh, I feel like that's kind of what was so good about Get Out was that he was so good about showing kind of the differences but between different people and kind of like that disconnect that exists with people of privilege and people who've been oppressed. And, and, and that seems like a theme that's really important to him is kind of that disconnect between the haves and the have nots. And when you look at a film like this, um, and some of you guys already touched on it with everything, but uh, to me, the 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 tethered people the red people they sort of seemed almost like immigrants to me or sort of like um poor people or maybe just people who have less privilege right that that's kind of what they struck me as they saw all these people living up above they were below right they were in these sewers and in these underground tunnels so these are the people below and they're looking at these people above them, these people of privilege, these people that seem to have it all and have these great lives and stuff like that. And they want that. They, 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 they want that life. They, they so desperately want to rise in their ranks. And it's almost like there's this disconnect because while they were paying so much attention to us, the people who were up above, I mean, you know, were just, for lack of a better term, oblivious. You know, it was almost like these people didn't matter and nobody really cared. You know, the experiment stopped and that seemed to be uh, uh, all of the fuck that anybody gave about them. So the people living up above it just seemed like they were oblivious and these people who had dreams and for whatever reason didn't have them, but life still turned out all right. You know, she made the comment. She was talking to her about um, Adelaide about her dancing. Um, and she was like, didn't you stop dancing? And then there was the whole joke. Oh, I peaked at 14 and everything. But it was like, OK, so that was something she was trying to do. That was something she was going towards. But she stopped that and still was able to have a family and seemed very privileged and things like that. And then um, Moss's character was kind of saying a similar thing. Oh, I was going to be a movie star, but then we started doing this, doing that. But at the end of the day, maybe they had some regrets, but everybody is on the beach just having the best of times. Everybody is cool. Overall, the situation is fine. So I don't know. I think there definitely was this social commentary about how that disconnect where some of us are unaware of how well we have it. And we sort of demonize these people that are below. But maybe the ironic thing about the film is, is that ultimately, while we might li like that Hands Across America commercial, while we like to advertise that we are this United States, that we are, we've got it all together, that we're the best country on earth. Oh, we're holding hands across America and just, oh, there's peace on earth. You know, that was an advertisement for that. But we all know that that's not really a reflective of what America really is. However, when these people seen as these evil people, these deranged, crazy, 
underprivileged people when they got took over there was a real unity they literally were holding hands across america and were literally unified and things like that and it was almost in some sick sort of way the Amer- the, the american dream was accomplished but it was almost accomplished by the people who were were seen as sort of the antagonist of this but mm-hmm. you know in a way so i feel like maybe that was something big that he was trying to say is that this is still kind of in a way like get out was this is still very much about the privilege versus the people that are underneath and how um and the whole verse and devin read it earlier you know that that verse in context was i believe god's talking about what he was going to do because people broke that covenant and the people were not right he was going to send a great evil to destroy them so maybe this is kind of jordan peele's way of saying that these oppressed people will rise up these people that we're so quick to demonize and so quick to forget about could very well be our undoing that maybe he thinks that maybe this is the eventual future for the u.s whether it happens in a supernatural way judgment day end of the world or whatever or it's simply just people on bottom having enough about where they are so i have to say something because you really struck a chord with that that was amazing because when you look at them they also because you're talking about poor people people of who are neglected and invisible by, you know, the system, by America, and they mimic them. They they mimic and they try to be like those people yes. above them. Like they had clothes, but they weren't quite yep. right. They had, you know, the same faces, yep. but it wasn't quite right. The hair just wasn't quite to the level of the the haves, the haves nots. And then and mm-hmm. then and then eventually, you know, what really actually leads them is to one of the people who was privileged losing that status and having to be with those invisible people, having to come up and understand and yes. teach those invisible people that there was a life that that they yep. should have, that they deserve, but they simply don't have it because there's no real explanation. There's no new reason. And the only way to take it, to have it is to take it to take it from them because they'll never give it up to you. Mm-hmm. And you may not understand, you may not be able to speak like them, you may not act like them, but you can learn because I am one of them. I can show you. Yeah, I do. That is a good, I mean, that's a critique on consumerism. That's a critique on, you know, that's what I'm saying. There's so much in this film and there's so many interpretations you can have yeah. on this film. You know, it's crazy, but that that was great. Well, I guess now it's my turn. I don't know how I'm going to live up to all that shit now, but, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> I'll just say some stuff in some soothing point, soothing tones like Jastin, and then maybe, uh, you know, I'll sound just as good. Um, for me, no, I, I do feel like it was kind of the, the story of the haves versus the have nots. I do think that was, you know, definitely in there. Um, but I also do think that it deals also with the duality of people within that same context of that potentially everybody has the potential within them to be a have or have not in a way also. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, like 
it it really does do with the duality of people with like everybody likes to think like oh they can handle these situations or handle that situation you know like everybody wants to feel like if they won the lottery they wouldn't be one of those people that ran out of money in two years and all that other shit but you might be you know just like every rich people every rich person also likes to believe that if one day they woke up poor that they would have the skills and wherewithal and everything like that to still survive and then you know bring themselves back up which is probably not the case either i've seen trading places i know that that wouldn't work (laughs) but you know it's they still like to feel like they could um but even on top of that it's uh what you know has been alluded throughout this episode also is people in general like do you allow yourself to give into your base instincts or not i think that was part of it also if it wasn't that i completely missed point because i feel like that was kind of shoved down our throats a little bit you know with having the dual aspects of everything you know by having the same people be the the haves and the have-nots in this film you know or the regular people i guess against also baser instincts you know but i think that can also play into some things too you know when you're one of the haves you kind of don't have to worry about base instincts because all your needs are kind of met on a constant basis Mm -hmm. you can kind of just do whatever when you're you know somebody that doesn't have a lot and you sometimes have to worry about you know where your next meal is going to come from or something like that baser instincts kind of come into play a little bit more you know where you have to you know make that choice of am i going to buy this item i want or am i gonna you know not eat ramen for the next nine days you know which there's nothing against that i do that all the time because i think you know ramen and uh, msg are quite delicious but that's neither here nor there um but it's just something that you know like that's why the baser instincts kind of play uh, a little more at that point is because that's what that's what you have you know when you have to worry about food yes like that's a big thing of surviving in a base instinct you know if your nutritional needs aren't being met and you're not eating um yeah that kind of i don't want to necessarily say devolves but that does become a mitigating factor in your decisions you know when you have to worry about your food supply that is that that becomes priority number one and whereas rich people don't have to worry about that they can you know they can worry about you know the condition of the boat they're buying or you know just random things like that that's something they can worry about that other people don't have to uh i i think just both of those things kind of uh interplay within themselves uh is is kind of what i took away from it all so was it ratings time yes right after everybody congratulates me for doing an eloquent job of following justin very well done anyway (laughs) so all right after you know Ah, my ego's been boosted. That's all I needed. All right. Well, yes, let's go into uh, ratings and recommendations. So would you recommend this film and what score would you give it? Going in the order we've been going in all episode, with the exception of the reverse order we did for the dislikes. Devin, rating and recommendation. Um, I am going to give this movie 75 lovely people holding hands in a straight line. Some of them with a little blood on them out of 100. Um, I do recommend this film, and I know we spent a lot of time speaking about the negatives of this film. However, we are the cinema slayers, and that's what we do. I can like a film and still tear it apart. That's why you listen to this, to be honest with you. So, I recommend you go see this. This is actually a great follow-up to um, Get Out. Um, You have to remember that 
Jordan Peele spent a lot of time writing sketches and not every sketch is going to be as good as the last one, but that still doesn't mean that shit ain't funny. And this movie may not be as good as Get Out, but that don't mean that this shit ain't good. The positives far for me overweigh the negatives of this film. And I actually think the word of the day, the word of the day, ambiguity actually works in its favor. Uh, Go see this movie. Go see more horror films. Go see more black films. Uh, Go see more movies, period. Heather, your turn. Rating it and recommendation. My rating for this will be 86 car fires out of 100. I do recommend it. Um, I think also really quick, I do also want to mention another standout part of the movie was the dance scene, specifically because of the montage they did with the instrumental of I Got Five on it. It was fantastic. And it was yeah. oh, it was so yeah. good. I Sick. That was a great, Sick. great scene. Yeah, it was so good. But and that that fight at the end. Yes. Like the choreographed fight. Yeah, in the theater, all it was, that was so great. good. Yeah. That whole scene was really, really good. Um, I do recommend it, honestly, because I think for the flaws that we've seen in it, it's a significantly better movie than a lot of other psychological thrillers or horror type movies that you might see because it's one that you have to think about. It's one that has a deeper meaning. And I'm always for movies that have deeper meanings and the performances alone. It's awesome. It's really, really good. And I just, I just think that Jordan Peele is brilliant. I think he's a genius in his own right. And although, like we've said, this is not necessarily quite on the same level of good as Get Out was, it was still, it's still phenomenal. It's, I mean, his record of movie making and directing and writing, it's just, it's stellar. I mean, he's made such a name for himself just within his sophomore movie. And I just think he's, I think he's brilliant. Like he just, is so um, profound and very precise with what he wants to do. Um, maybe he doesn't always execute it that way, but just the fact that he's thinking on a different level than most other people. And I just, I have to commend him for that. And I just have to say that because of what he's trying to do in his movies and even visually speaking, it's just worth it to watch it. Justin, your turn. All right. I'm going to give this. Let's go with 89 ambulances, <laughs> ambulance, car toy ambulances used as a doorstop and an escape route from a cro- closet because it foreshadows them oh leaving gosh. the city in an ambulance at the end of the movie out of 100. So that this is beat a- your last week's long score. Dear God, that was long. <laughs> So uh um th- this is this is a very good movie guys. So don't don't get the wrong idea. Yes, of course we're going to pick it apart just like Devin said this is Cinema Slayers, but but just like a lot of films like this man that are just like really a thinking person's film. There's so much more good than bad here. You've got to see this movie and I I, I mirror what Heather said. Jordan Peele is definitely a genius when it comes to storytelling. He's so good at building tension and his movies are so much fun to watch because there's so much more to it than just acting or just story elements or plot devices. And there's always a deeper meaning. There's always something bigger 
that he's trying to say. And he is so ambitious. And you can just feel that in every line, in every scene. And when you get to the end of a film like this, you just feel that this person is ambitious. He has something to say. And he is definitely on a mission to make a mark with his work. So I support that 100%. The fact that he's a brother helps the situation and makes it even better. So, (laughs) yes, I totally recommend this, guys. This is a very good film. Easily one of the better films that I've seen this year. And, you know, with that being said, there's still a lot of year left. Sterling made a valid point earlier. There are a lot more movies on deck. And there are some awesome ones. April is looking like it's going to be awesome. But... All, but all uh, things considered, this was great. And this is a great conversation piece afterwards. See this with someone and go somewhere and just talk, 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 talk about this movie. You might be surprised about what you learned or what you missed. Well, I'm going to break from you guys a little bit just because I'm going to talk about my recommendation before the rating to build up, build up that anticipation oh for it all. Um, I would say that ultimately this movie is very good. It's not great. It's not very great. It just kind of boils down to just very good. It does lots of things well, and it does some things just not well at all. Um, It's just, it's, I wouldn't say that Jordan Peele hit a sophomore slump or a sophomore jinx at all. I still think he's very much batting a hundred with this. Uh, He still, you know, shows he's got the chops that, Get Out wasn't a fluke. This movie might not be perfect. It might not be on Get Out's level, but it is certainly not a fluke. Uh, or it shows that Get Out wasn't a fluke. It shows he knows what he's doing. He he's like everybody said. He's got that ambition. He's he's got that drive. He he's he's got the chops to make movies, and this movie just kind of solidifies that. But ultimately, what it boils down to me is, like I said, it's very good, just not great so i would say i would give this 78 random bunny shots out of 100 that's how you get it concise jastin concise (laughs) i swear to god one of these days you're just gonna end up doing a paragraph you're gonna do a soliloquy on your rating and i love that though because you didn't always used to do that and now now you're you're leaning into it (laughs) you went way further than i we we thought you were gonna go with it based on some of your original ones you used to be like 75 rose petals out of 100. Yeah, that's true. And now you're, you've got just, you've got diatribes <laughs> on your scores now. And I make fun of you for it, but I love it. I do. You you went hard into it. And I'm always down for that. I'm always <laughs> down for somebody just leaning hardcore into it. And that's what you've done. But yes, like I said, 78. Yes, go ahead. I was just going to say, man, I feel like I've kind of been on a roll lately, man. Like, I just, I don't know. I feel like I got the glow or something. There's a there's a last dragon yeah, you were, for you. Every time, yes, which I I was very much the one that posted the happy last dragon day because if you know anything about me, that's my shit. The last dragon is one of my all time favorite movies. I watch it constantly. I know it inside and out, and I I'm 100 percent down with you having the glow. You get that glow, Bruce Leroy. <laughs> now. Yes, but as I was saying, it's just a 78. It's 
it's definitely good. It's it's worth watching. If that was the part of the recommendation I had not said yet, which I don't think I had, it is definitely worth watching. It's a it's it's a good movie. I think anybody can take something away from this movie, no matter who you are. I think there's something in this movie you can take away from it. Even if it was something that was not meant to be taken away from this movie, you could still take away something from it. But yeah, I do want to say really quick ahead, that um, I, I just think that it, it's worth worth mentioning that if we weren't comparing it to Get Out, like if this was his first movie, I would still be just as impressed, honestly, because it's still that clever and it's that well made. So, it, yeah. And like you were saying, it doesn't take anything away from just the the greatness and genius that is Jordan Peele, just because it's not, you know, quite what we prefer over get out. But like I said, like if that movie was not his first movie and this one was, it would still be just as impressive. So I kind of wish it was the other way around. I wish us was first and I wish get out was second. I think that would just be this like all-star combo that I think would help. I think that this movie does suffer a little bit from the fact that, subconsciously or consciously you're going to compare it to get out in some way shape or form that's just kind of the nature of the beast but with that thank you guys for listening check out the website www.cinemaslayers.com check us out on facebook check us out on twitter which is cinema underscore slayers the other one's just cinema slayers check us out on instagram which is still just cinema slayers check us out wherever you like to listen to podcasts i know you're already listening to it but if you prefer to listen to it somewhere else and you're like man i wonder cinema slayers is there we are we're pretty much everywhere and if we're not let me know And I'll make sure we get added there because that's just what I do. I add us to all these other things to make it easier for you guys to listen to us in the ear holes you have on the side of your head. And on that note, remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a best picture winner. Thank you, guys. (laughs) 